0: This is Joaquin Muerte, host of the Chica Next vs. Aliens podcast, and I'm inviting you out to our live podcast event Thursday, October 12th, 2023 at 7 p.m. at 134 Blue Star. That's the art house at Blue Star. We will be having a conversation with special guests Carly Guevara and filmmaker Ivan Flores, who will join me to discuss Latinx sci-fi cinema, followed by the curated selections of cosmic-infused short films, including El After del Mundo by Florentina González, Spaceship by Jorge G. Camarena, Row and the Stardust by Eunice Levis and La Curandera Cumbiavera by Ivan Flores. Watch the trailers at www.montevideo210.org or you can go to the Eventbrite at eventbrite.com and search of Raza Cosmica. See you there, mi raza. What's up, Raza? This is the Chica Next versus Aliens podcast. I am your host, Joaquin Muerte, and I am excited to be dropping this raw, uncut live podcast. Uh, this podcast was recorded at the Central San Antonio Central Library. We were doing a Raza Cosmica. Latin sci fi cinema film series um hosted by Montevideo and myself. This one is very special to me because I have I'm San Antonio native actor jesse borrego from movies like fame and blood in blood out when we're having a conversation about sci-fi we're having a conversation about ghosts and aliens i mean we were just getting down and it was amazing uh we also were talking with desiree K segura they were both featured on the film a short film luminous which is a film about a near-dystopian future. Luminous Labs is the premier facility for new energy and technology research. In one of its endless corridors, we find Lou, a security guard, which is Jesse Borrego, with a chip on his shoulder and a problem he cannot keep the lights on over his head. To make matters worse, Jaxley, the Luminous Labs artificial intelligence, is struggling to hear his commands. Just another day at the office. Little does Lou know that the beautiful and mysterious scientist Dr. Sharp is on her way to sector on the lab to complicate the world further this is a really good film and we got to show it um it was really enjoyable but the conversation was amazing y'all so here we go the Chica Next vs aliens podcast one of many live raw uncut editions of the podcast check it out i um by white narrative Intentionally only including it to Black and Brown folks and LGBTQ. So the conversations are a narrative of our are lifting up the voices of our people, um, and also so that we don't feel so crazy when we talk about, oh, I thought I saw a UFO over on Woodlawn Lake, and it's just like. Okay. Well, let's, I mean, you know, at this point where we have seen so many UFOs and people have actually had experiences being abducted by UFOs and people who have seen little green aliens or big tall grays or believe that government people have are reptilians and that kind of crazy stuff. Well, you know, we also have a long history of indigenous curanderismo. We have a long history of um, you know, of, of, of indigenous practices and healing practices, and so I want to make sure that we are also part of that. Um, oh, I'm hearing a sound, I'm sorry, let me mute this. Of star connection. A star connection, and the indigenous people talk about the star people all the time. And so I'm so happy to have two star people here with me uh, who have uh, star connections. And uh, I thank you guys for joining the Chicanx vs. Aliens podcast. So, um, what's up, y'all? What's happening? What's happening? What's What's
1: happening in the (laughs) stars?
0: Let's talk about it. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, one of the things that comes to mind right away is the fact that in our own Mesoamerican history, right, known history, and our history includes oral history, uh, pictorial history, But more than that, um, mnemonic history, right? Uh, And that goes back to the memory and the racial memory. But they've always talked about how the Aztecas were the warriors, the Toltecas were the artists, right? But that the Mayans were the scientists. And we even talk about, if you look at, uh, I don't know if you ever read any Jose Arguez, The Mayan Factor. But he's positing that a lot of those hieroglyphics are actually advanced computer language, but computer in a way that's not linked to, again, our Eurocentric vision of the world, which is matter makes spirit, but rather that spirit creates and manifests matter. And so in that sense, the possibilities are endless, and the Mayans knew that. Uh, you know, you talk about the Egyptians knew zero. Well, the Mayans knew as well, as well. So in a global thought process, if you think about it like that, I mean, we were and we always have known about the knowledge of time travel, the knowledge of space, the knowledge of many dimensions, which they're barely admitting to now in mental health practice, in uh, health, Right. Uh, the understanding of our biosphere and how important that is to our ethnosphere. Uh, And, you know, everything that's happening right now with climate change and all of that, our ancestors would always talk about, Los Indios would always talk about it. And it's in those ancient languages and wisdoms that we're going to find the correct behavior and the correct path for the you know the continuation of life or else it's going to change and you know those changes are happening now we're already having to figure out how to live normally what we call normally in a pandemic world in a climate change world yes. all of the things that for hundreds of years our wisdom keepers have talked about you know so it ain't science fiction it's reality yeah, and right. but again that perspective and where we come from, especially when we talk about a, a film festival that celebrates our heritage as La Raza Cosmica, you know, and we always talked about that even in the in the 60s and 70s with the Chicano movement and the adoption of uh, Azteca and Mexica iconography in their movimiento. There was also because of the social and spiritual movements happening in the hippie world. And so those worlds were connecting, especially in places like Califas, you know, and in those uh, social movements, that there was the understanding that we were la raza cosmica, that we were uh, connected to something much deeper and where that came from. So when we talk about it, it isn't that far-fetched to have that discussion and to understand that it's a a collective uh, human memory, you know. But again, what are we gonna do with that and how are we gonna use it? You know, it's interesting to me, one of the things that I talk about now with these uh, young groups that are getting into an idea of what a career in media, in in, uh, in literacy, digital literacy, right, uh, in the creation of content, which goes back to storytelling, is, right. What are we gonna do with that power? It's an enormous power right now that's making trillionaires and it's creating new power brokers, right? Now Amazon, now Netflix, now uh, Facebook. They're becoming as powerful as the studios are. Well, I've dealt with 40 years of a career where my industry controlled the stories that I could tell. So I couldn't talk to my own raza. Now, I was lucky enough to be in films where I could talk directly to them. And one of the things that, what they don't realize at a subconscious level, what my raza relates to is the code and the coding and the secret language that I was speaking to them in the character of Crucito. I was one of only the three main actors that could do that. And I was trying to do that deliberately. I was already at the point in my career where I could play with
0: my art like that well, and I had very you.
1: few opportunities you well, know that was 25 35 years ago now
0: and let me ask you so like when you so you know those are those are roles that you know very stereotypically chicanos will play right uh those are roles that um you know Rasa or even like I mean you know you have b-roll real is like what puerto rican or cuban and he played a chicano or a cholo for many years what, what is it like to step into a sci-fi realm? What is it like to, to jump into that? And Desiree, feel free to jump in this too. What is it to like to be a part of a sci-fi film where you're not playing your, I mean, okay, we're talking about us being star people. We're talking about us knowing and connected to this, uh, the grand mystery of, of, our, of our people, right? Um, but what is it like to step into the role as a, into sci-fi? What is that? Was there a different process for your mind? Um, was there a different a way that you prepared yourself to, to, to step into this type of place? Because you're not uh, in front of lowriders, you're not in front of, uh, 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 in barrios, but you are like in like, what, in metallic or metal, aluminum type of uh, areas. Or, you know, you have to pretend that, you know, maybe just outside of you is zero gravity or that, um, you know, there is, you know, you're within a certain uh place of the matrix that is you know might be glitchy or and and you are uh having to be a different role so what was that process for you it's kind of a modern
1: concept right the idea of science fiction so you know
2: kind of like i one of my favorite shows ever is battlestar galactica right and i like the the remake the reboot um better than the old one but even then you had uh uh, edward james edward james 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 almost yeah which was interesting because in, in a sci-fi sort of situation, it's almost like cultura gets not dismissed or overlooked, but it's not focused upon, you know what I mean? It's more about like a humanistic altogether, you know what I mean? So yeah. for me, growing up, especially Bless seeing him in both of those roles, that was Salud. That was really cool, you know, like being able to see that. And at the same time, kind of feel like you're represented, but it, it, I, don't, I never got like... A, like, it was too focused on cultura or any cultura, except for, you know, the people on the ship. Because yeah. at that point, it's not like everybody gets washed over um, ethnically or anything like that. Just, but the fact that, like, it all focuses on, okay, we're here to survive, we're here to prolong the race, you know, or whatever the mission of the show is.
0: It pulls, out like, it pulls out like the humanistic of all things, right? Like it's kind of like Independence Day or like when like the, you know, the giant alien is coming, the giant UFO is hovering over, over Washington. And it's just like, well, oh, you know what? At this point, nobody is important or less important, more important. Exactly. Everybody is the human and we all have to kind of pull together. Uh, but there was still a process for you, like, what, what what was it that you did before you, like, stepped into that role? Were there, like, a uh, a certain types of, uh, or how about this? Like, what is it like to step into a role? I mean, you know, you're talking to probably folks who may have maybe done a little theater. But um, what is it like to step into a role in front of a camera? The
1: storytelling part is the easy part. And that's, like Des was talking about, that's the universal part. So... I grew up reading science fiction, and probably one of the worst things that can have happened is that comic book franchises have taken over our entertainment world. Right. So now all of our science fiction is kind of the same because it's coming from a comic book world. And But when I started reading, I mean, even if you're talking about Heinlein and the source of Starship Troopers, which became a big movie. Right. Okay. Those characters, even though they were played by Anglo actors, listen to their names, Rico. Uh, If you read the original book, already Heinlein saw the future, and he saw a world, if you read the original Starship Troopers, the book that it's based on, it was a pan-Latino world. So they were talking all kinds of languages, but in this particular future, Latinos were the dominant culture so guess what the main characters were Latinos not specifically because Heinlein wasn't writing Cholos and all that yeah. but he was—he already knew in the future we're all going to be mixed and guess what I see because I'm a science fiction writer so if he saw it and this was what 1960s 70s is when he, when he That's was writing right. That's right. so he already knew however when it got to the 1990s the dominant culture, and this is why I tell you I've seen it in many industries, the dominant culture says that's a little too brown, that's a little too progressive, right. right? We're catching up to that now, like all of humanity and like most of everything else. We see that in the future, we are going to be as dominant a culture as anything else. And that's okay. It's like the talking about the the hegemony of Anglo culture on the world stage. Well, that's changing, right? And we see that now that there is a big dominant Asian culture. That's a modern culture. And that's going to be predominant. There's a Latino culture in Mesoamerica. So as much as you have the North American free trade agreement, the reality of it is, is that it's a lot browner than they would like to admit so that's going to start to be reflected in the entertainment world because we are going to be the storytellers hence that's why this film festival works that's why watcha is having such a successful run is because now you're being able to talk to directly to the demographic that wants to be talked to the story that's why the podcast Can be successful because you have an audience. And I think when you facilitate that for us as storytellers, it's exciting because now we're gonna get a chance to tell some of the stories that we haven't been able to tell because they weren't, you know, there wasn't the connection there. Now there's a connection. So I think in the science fiction world, especially when we did Luminous, I mean, I didn't understand necessarily because Than has a, a, a long form of this idea, right? And it has to do with a lot of the things that we're dealing with now. Climate, uh, power sources, right? The control of those power resources and the fact that it's not getting to humanity. Wow. So all of that apocalyptic stuff is there, but it's couched in this whole idea where there is this renewable free source Wow. and there's this person that Des plays. I'm not giving too much away. <laughs> but there's a heroic character here and a heroic act. And there's this every man that I play that has the opportunity
2: to either sabotage that or... At the same time, though, Jesse, you were a hero, too. Like, it's like... And I love that both of the main characters are Latino, you know? Like, that we're both Latino because without giving too much away, we both play a part in... In, w- in what the overall mission is of um, of this film, which you'll see. And I just, you know, even like a Joe Schmo can be a hero, but also Latino, you know what I mean? And which it was so crazy, because I didn't even realize that until like the other day. I was like, oh man, you're right, we we're Latino front people, I thought that was really cool. I didn't think about it because of the sci-fi element, but yeah, that's that was cool. Good job, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Dan, wherever job, you are. Then. Wherever yeah. you are.
1: Our filmmaker couldn't be here, Than Niles. So Than Niles was actually a recipient of a film grant from the city of San Antonio. Uh, And he had this idea and he wanted to shoot it. And one of my favorite things about doing this project is that right there in that uh, empty warehouse where we shot this, my grandmother on that street, it's over there by Quintana Road and... uh, uh, and uh, so South lone, Cross. Like
0: the Lone Star?
1: Uh, the, no, it's over there by... Uh, oh, by is it, the, the
0: recyclable areas? No,
1: and? it's over there where South Cross ends on Quintana Quintana Oh, Roo, I know it, yeah. Out there. Yes. Dude, it's literally Southside. the
0: end of South
1: Cross going west. And uh, my grandmother, when we were young, she would drive up and down that road and do all of her pagos. She would pay all her bills there. So yes. it's a very deep a childhood memory for me, because we got to go out with my grandma and we cruised the South Side, but it you know, it got dilapidated and, and ignored over the years. And then then right before the pandemic, we shoot this film and we're in this warehouse and I'm like, dude, this is my old neighborhood, man. Nice. And I remember saying to him, I go, I really appreciate this because I'm finally doing what I want to do is doing what I do in my neighborhood. And I know it's a little film, and I know that we're just here. We don't know where it's going to go. It's a short form. But I really felt like there was a complete circle. And so I wanted to make sure that we serviced the story. What is story? So I kept asking him. I don't know if you did the same thing, but I kept asking, what is this about? And so what is this about? I kept trying to find out the backstory, right? Yeah. And he kept feeding me tidbits but that's what that's it what is Dan for does us storytellers. <laughs> He's a rascal. Yeah. And so as storytellers, we want to know what's going on. And so it becomes more about what is the story and how can we tell this story the best way possible.
2: And it's such a short form, like the script is like so small. Most of it is just more. I wanted more. Yeah, you want more. And I really love how Dan was able to kind of make it more concise, but never take away from the picturesque part of it, you still was like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it now. And he he just did a great job with the little time that he had. When the little bit that he gave us, the team was incredible. Erica's is here somewhere, I I think she, oh, she had to leave, okay. But she was the assistant director on that. She's also Latina. So um, that was a really cool experience because we had a lot of Latinos that were actually working on the movie itself, behind the scenes, in the movie. Up, right, like yeah, That's so it was,
0: proud. it was cool. Well, you know what, what, proud. what I what I love about this is that we're talking about now. We're talking about Southside. We're talking about a set that was created. Like if we're thinking about south side youth growing up as a Southside youth, I mean, when we were running out like little squinklers in the community, imagination was everything. And so, like, it's beautiful to see that they were able to turn what we probably imagined ourselves doing already in these starships or un- underwater bases or, like, in the crazy matrix or even just running around in, like, a forest of, like, South Side of San Antonio Southside. It was literally a
1: Star Trek set, like, you know, what we grew up watching in the 60s. Yeah. When we were watching Star Trek, it was literally a Star Trek set in the South Side. <laughs> That's crazy. So I kept going, wow, this is pretty cool. And, you know, Than really brought together a great filmmaking team and you know it was a very diverse group of people uh and
2: talented, diverse talented group of people we had a guy that didn't special great production crew he did the, he did firefly he was the uh, visual effects person for firefly so i don't know if you guys are familiar I with that one but that. yeah right and yeah. for um uh, the one with the orange hair Fifth element
0: oh, oh nice great. nice yeah. it was Ooh. incredible
2: i mean like it,
0: I can
3: watch that a thousand times over, yeah. So to me, the
1: the circle is always that not only am I there, but these individuals are there. So when I see these young Latinos that were working as interns, that were working, and obviously they were there out of the love of it, right? And I met a lot of these young people because they were fans, right? And, of course, I gave them the, hey, stay in higher education. Where are you going to school? This is the film school you want to go to, right? Mm. Um, in giving them that advice, I could see that they were learning something. So the fact that we had that kind of a creative team there, I mean, it makes me, makes me very excited for the future. I'm
2: pretty sure that everybody is from San Antonio, most or, or at least Texas, san antonio and maybe austin that all the people that we had working on the film were actually like local local people so that was even cooler to me like i appreciated that and
0: and i love that because you know san antonio is uh, we some some of us as artists feel like hollywood is just way too far out there and then we meet people like you and then we're just like we're so close to hollywood right but but then but then but you know as an artist we feel like that is a is a far trip for some of us, you know what I mean? And so it's cool to see that that San, Anto- San Antonio has the capacity for what is a creative. And you're right, there's a lot of content creators, and there's a lot of this happening, and it's a whole another form. And I, I think it would it, it, it would be a blessing to have. You know, people like you who have a long history of this kind of work to talk to people about what it's like in that industry, you know, because it does change. And, um, but right now, everybody has that capacity at their hand, right? Everybody has a capacity on their phone so they can do major content and just by, you know, a snap of their phone, which is, I mean, if you think about it 40 years ago, that was a sci fi film. (laughs) You know, we are living in the sci fi right now.
1: And I know that when Than talked to me about doing this film, uh, you know, at he's sitting with me at the table and he's telling me a story and I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so then I sat with him as, so then we put on our producer's hat, right? And I said, okay, that's, that's the filmmaker, right? That's the innocence. Now let's talk business. And he appreciated that, especially when we actually got onto the set and he saw what professionals can do with nice, his story. Nice. And I think that if, young artists uh, that are serious about the craft are able to grasp that. Then it gives them an edge, especially when they get out because they are gonna have that opportunity and that's what I keep telling them in these situations. You are two steps away from that big pitch, right? You are two, two steps away from that opportunity, from that audition, from that chance to pitch your story. And you want to feel confident that your stories coming from you are just as valid as anyone else's, right? Uh, One of the things that I talked to Than about was, okay, so what's the full length there? So why don't you, let's just go ahead and do the whole thing. You know, you're talking about another week of production. You're talking about coming up with the rest of my days, right? Uh, And we have the talent. You've got the talent as your lead, so why don't we just go for it? And that's what I urge a lot of young people to do. My brother, who's uh, James Borrego, who's the film teacher at at SAC, he's the new film teacher there. He's been there for about four or five years and he's revived the F and their RTF program. So we brought the F back. We had lost it for a while, but now we have a certificate. So kids that go there can actually get certified in film style production. And that's two steps away from an associate's. So now we're accomplishing what I want, which is to get my young creative talent and their love of whatever the next Marvel superhero or the next vampire movie. You know, their ideas are valid and I'd rather it come from them. But how can I protect them? Well, higher education is the key. So if I can get them into a two year quick program like, you know, SAC, or any of the Alamo colleges, uh, you know, I know that Northwest Vista has a media program over there. Uh, so if I can get them to go through these programs, now they come out ready to work, ready to create, ready and with the confidence to come up with the next luminups, with the next films. And if also we create, and again, I thank the Latino collection here at the Central Library and groups like that that give us and these kids an opportunity to showcase their work. Because if they're able to then find an audience, connect directly to their audience like you are, now we bypass the controlling culture and the controlling industry. And now we're back to being able to talk directly to our people. So who knows what science fiction stories they're going to create? Because now they're free of those restrictions, right? Which were the theater, which were this dominant culture, which were, uh, you know, it's a trillion dollar industry out there. But it's also the Wild West. So we're trying to create exactly what you're doing. That's what we want to teach our young film students to think like that they can do it themselves, and that's going to create more of an authentic story, and that story is what's going to change the world, not these franchises that are going to keep repeating the same thing over and over, and it is going to be a Eurocentric vision of the future. For sure, for sure. You know, I had a discussion a couple of years ago, there was an audition for a really big DC series, right? And... The bad guy, even though the, the, the heroic character, and it was a knockoff, right? I said, hey, this is a knockoff of Escape from New York, where Manhattan <laughs> gets cut off. Manhattan gets cut off and la, 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 la. And of course, the gangs take over the world and the gangs are brown. Come on. It's the same old thing. Yeah. And even though this character is really charismatic, it's the same old character. But they did have a Latina heroic lead, right? She got trapped there looking for her kids. So there was that. And I said, well, this is a great character, but the character I'm auditioning for, I'm not a woman and I'm not... (laughs) So that's not my... I'm going to audition for the bad guy. I said, I don't think I want to do that. And And they said, well, what's the problem? I said, you know what? Look at January 6th. Look at our world right now. If this if this country were to turn upside down, you'd probably see a lot more right-wing extremist, uh, I hate to say it, but Aryan Brotherhood type of militia. That's the reality of our near future. Now that's a cool series. That's the one I want to be in. And they laughed and they said, well, when you're producing, that's the story that you can pitch. And I sat there and I went, Exactly. Exactly. And I went, she's absolutely right. Until we're in those decision-making places. So a few years later, I actually got into the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So I'm actually a voting member. So one step closer, and a lot of the stuff that I'm producing is Latinx, indigenous, perspective-centric, right? Because that's uh, the reality of our world. That's the reality of our world. What's going to win this... Uh, what's going to change our gubernatorial uh, race is going to be the fact that abortion is illegal in our state. That is a heinous crime against society. I hate to say it, but that's what everybody knows is the truth. And so the voting block of women is what's going to change and impact. It's not going to be culture. It's not going to be red or white. It's going to be the fact that... Our society is being attacked in some way, shape, or form. And that's what's going to change things. And I think it's going to be the same thing in the entertainment industry. The fact there are more of us than there are of them is going to change the stories that are being told. You see it in African-American entertainment. I was about to say. They've been battling that since the 80s because I got on a show, Fame, where Debbie Allen was producing and directing. So when I hung out with the group that she hung out with, they were the power block of African American entertainment. And they created the fertile ground for Tyler Perry and a lot of, an Oprah and a lot of the storytellers that are producing valid content now. So that's gonna be the same thing with our society. We're gonna say enough is enough, enough with these crazy superhero stories where you have the same group of people you know that are uber powerful and are gonna save us.
2: Come on, well,
1: really? You had the, that's uh, not
2: what's happening at the border. Or that traditional right. power play of like villain heroes.
0: Come you know,
1: on, like bad good guys, bad guys. No. Well, then,
0: you and then you. So there's a huge dialogue happening in the realm of uh, because with Disney, right, where uh, you have uh, Ariel being played by a black woman, and now there's a big conversation about the existence of mermaids one which if anybody here we're gonna about to get into the belief part once we get i'm waiting to get there but it's
1: the same with the harry potter world right right
0: yeah the existence of mermaids and then like uh how could a mermaid be black oh then how then why are the mermaids only white and then the idea of people kind of saying like well what if mermaids actually look like underwater what do beings that live underwater actually look like yeah they look scary uh, but so then there's this whole conversation about like well let's flip the roles and so then they start putting uh there's this if y'all are into meme culture right there's this big meme culture where people are talking about putting faces of uh white folks on black roles and people are just like oh they could never and then putting uh faces of white folks on black roles and they're just like oh this is just messing up the movie so then there's actually this dialogue happen about um about uh, uh what what The importance of the roles that people actually play, and the other thing too that I want to mention that you were saying is that um, accessibility is important. Voting, right? And and that the biggest one of the biggest fights is the accessibility to voting, right? In Texas, we know this more than anything is that they're always taking accessibility of voting from us all the time. It's getting harder and harder for people to vote in Texas, especially Latinos, especially Black folks, especially women, and so like, you know that whenever we had the pandemic and the shutdowns, right? Whenever we had the pandemic, we're still currently in the pandemic, right? Just let's just not, just not erase that. But um, when, uh, when, when that was happening and the Black Lives Matter movement started to kick up and people were hitting the streets, they were just like, we are going to st- still go out. And, um, you know, I never, um, you know, I was so excited to see how much power was being built within the black community, within black people, as I was watching them really take on that, the, the movement, and especially around the protests that they were doing. And it was wonderful to see that happening here in San Antonio, you know? It was beautiful to see that. But accessibility, once again, we, we, we pushed past that. You know, we were in a lot of fear. People were afraid, and we pushed past it, and people still got together, and they traditionally protested in San Antonio and around the world. For black lives matter and that was beautiful
1: that was filmmaking to me um the bravery of a lot of the people that were documenting that uh because they were in they were in the front lines they were in the fire they were when you look at uh, what was happening with standing rock too right uh and you know they the mainstream media and a lot of the uh right-wing media didn't necessarily want you to see what that was but when you look at it from an authentic point of view from the people that are actually dealing with this, then you see a much more authentic uh, story, right? Uh, and to me, that's kind of what I try to get the future filmmakers uh, and content creators to understand, is that they have a responsibility. Yes. Uh, and being stuck in the entertainment world, where it's a lot tougher to talk about authentic issues, Right. When you're talking about the new content creators have this, have the ability to immediately reach their audience, we need that. We saw that in the Arab Spring movement. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw that in the Black Lives Matter, what was happening. Uh, We saw that during the election. So we need our young people who want to tell stories to want to tell authentic stories and want to tell real stories and want to get past Pierce the veil because they're the ones Pierce that are going to help us change the perspective, right? Uh, and even the entertainment world can't compete with that because the entertainment world is controlled by Uber Industries, and yeah. they do have something to sell. They're selling soap, right? We can't blame them for their politics. We can't blame them for their their myopic vision of the future, right? right? right. Uh, I remember a joke that Richard Pryor... Uh, told I was a big Richard Pryor album fan. We used to listen to Richard Pryor. And, yeah, all the inappropriate albums oh, we yeah. listened to when I was a kid. Yeah. Cheech and Chong, Richard. But those, George Carlin, but they were telling the truth, right, in their comedy. And Richard Pryor used to make me laugh because he would tell the story about, oh, he goes, have you ever seen a Star a, a Star Trek? And all of these, he goes, all I know is white people don't want us around in the future. <laughs> and he was just saying there wasn't enough black characters in those uh, storylines right uh, and and so as a young Chicano kid we laughed because we saw even less Chicanos right, right. we saw even less uh, indigenous people and so to me growing up thinking of that it was well when I tell the story When I'm going to be, then I'm going to be this. I remember when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with my college classmates, I was always playing uh, an Aztec character. I was playing an Indian character because they weren't represented, you know? so I think that as a storyteller now, I want to be able to teach that to these young storytellers, that their truth matters, that their truth is authentic. My daughter explained to me what the X meant in Latinx because after a season, you know, Hollywood yes. loves buzzwords. Yep. So the edgy word was Latinx. So yeah, everything is. was Latinx. X. It was no longer Hispanic, it was no longer Latino, it was, or it wasn't uh, non-traditional casting. It was Latinx, and even Edward James Olmos was Latinx, referred to as Latinx in one of the breakdowns. Well, I said, well, wait a minute. You know, Latinx is a generational thing, that's what the new young generation is calling themselves. You know, uh, me and Eddie Olmos aren't Latinx, you know, we're, we're old guys, right? And my daughter goes, no, Dad, it has nothing to do with generation. It has to do with gender identity and the fact that people don't want to be identified Latino, Latina, and they're standing up for that. And I went, oh, I get it. I understand. My daughter had to school me about what, so I don't have a problem now calling myself Latinx. And and you know, it's funny because because I agree. People should be able to, two-spirit, they should be able to identify in their many-dimensional, multi-dimensional, multi-spirited way. Um, and so I think it's the same way in the entertainment world that content creators of the future, they should be able to tell whatever story they want yes. and find financing for that, find validation for that, be able to talk to their audience and not be choked off from that like our industries do. For sure. So I'm trying to find a way for them to be activists like you. Right be able to talk about whatever they want to talk about in a safe place, in a safe environment, and to their core audience. You know, so if I want to ha- and have been wanting to do that in my career and I've been lucky enough to do that in some projects, then I want to make sure that the future generation gets to do that, you know, so what is what is the landscape for that, you know?
0: Well, and so I want to add something, right? So the I, the one thing about seeing the, the youth and the Latinx and the using the X and the gender fluidity, right, is that that in itself is uh, we, what we call science fiction becoming a very yeah. real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were seeing a lot of folks talk about the androgyny of human beings. And then, when the, if you look at the future movies and we like very androgynous characters, and so like, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the future of gender. I'm excited for the future of activism and especially young Latinos and uh, Chicanos and Chicanx and Latinx. Uh, because it's also not just about fluidity, right? It's about liberation. Mm-hmm. It's about liberation. It's about the liberation of our people, about liberating ourselves and the things that we're doing. Yeah. I, we, we, I want to jump into this because we're talking about the future. We're talking about science fiction. Um, I want to ask you guys a couple questions just for my podcast, if okay. you guys don't mind.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Before you do, can I, can I just comment on that yes, right please. away? Yes, Yeah. Okay. I believe and again, as a storyteller, which is a very, very amazing superpower, and that's what I try to get these, these young wannabe producer, filmmakers, storytellers to understand, is that images and the technology of the ability to put together images in a way that impacts the human psyche immediately is a superpower. Yes. And as that, it has to be like what they told Spider-Man. Just again, to quote these stupid comic book-isms, right? (laughs) With great power comes great responsibility. And so I've always felt this because I got into a television show that was internationally known. And overnight, I went from becoming a poor Chicano student in college to a television star. And I saw the immediate impact of media and this power. But I also learned film in art school, so I learned the skill set and the technique and the impact of that art form in the 20th century from an arts point of view. So my understanding of it from those two worlds has led to a career where I'm a student of the game and I understand how the entertainment world also impacts journalism. It can impact truth, right? We saw what Facebook was able to do in our elections. Yes. So the immediacy of social media, the immediacy of this art form to the human psyche is enormous, and so we have to learn and we have to be very smart about that. When I see these kids that are just absorbing video games without understanding literacy, digital literacy, the ability for that world virtually and in the meta world to connect to a much larger world that is controlling and is able to manipulate your ideas your thoughts your communications all of that and the understanding of that in the modern world especially if you want to be a part of that machine is very important to me right so when you talk about our story and the narrative right and how it is so black and white Isn't it interesting that in the Latino cultural world, we have this indigenous root, we have these indigenous wisdoms, and we're all tribal in that way. And in those tribal wisdoms, there is the understanding that we're connected to something that's much larger and much deeper than our computerized technological world. For sure. But that that overarching technological world, if you look at the avatar that's coming out, Avatar 2, it's the same storyline. There is this external world we've created, this technological world, that seeks to subvert that natural world. So our solution comes in those wisdom that all of these young chicanx Uh, storytellers have and that's the wisdom of the ancients right these indigenous ways these tribal ways these connections to who we are as humanity because we're the storytellers and we're the creators of our own hell so we have to constantly give it up to these young latinxers these young Chican Xers, these next gen Xers, right? Yeah. Because they carry that wisdom that we've passed on. I know I've tried to pass it on to my daughter and I know a lot of us, elders here have tried to pass it on to our youngsters and that's that understanding and we call it family because a lot of it comes from our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our cultura right but our cultura and that's why again it's interesting that we're here at this point as successful content creators in this new world Uh, but what I try to teach these kids is there is a battle going on and that battle is versus our created selves and our real selves so the way to do that is to let these story storytelling let these stories fly share these stories like we used to around the sacred fire and in there in the absorbing of these stories we're going to learn something about ourselves so sorry to interrupt no, you no but good you the, pointed it out
0: no that's great and i i you know one of the one of the sayings that the indigenous people say is all our relations, right? All our relations. Mm-hmm. all our relations. You know, we have wisdom. Seven generations. We have wisdom in all things. Wisdom in all things. And so, like, yeah, you're seeing us, the content creator, and, the, and you, it, 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 it's funny because it all seems sci-fi, but it's oh so real, right? Like, we are we are uh, in a world, the virtual world, and remember that movie from the 80s board games or, like, um, yeah. what, it was like Starfighter where the guy's playing the video game and he's actually moving. Trump. I think they, they, yeah, they we recently did, yeah. And, you know, they actually, you know, but, like, we are so much part of that reality. You know, we are. You know, when we play those video games, they're all part of our educational process. It's all part of who we are and who we make our makeup psychologically. When we are on our phones all day, all of this—not just we're on our phones all day. We, this is by now becoming a part of our body. And so, whenever people were saying stuff like, "Oh, there's a microchip in that vaccine," I'm like, "There's a microchip in your phone, and you're using it all the time." You know, and I know there's a guarantee.
1: Yeah, comfort, we buy into it, and that's just something that we're going to have to deal with. I yeah. mean, we just had a major, one of the largest hurricanes that we've had in a while just pass through again, and we weren't able to avoid it, right? No. It hit the third world, and it hit the first world. Yep. So we're all in it together, and if we don't realize that, then the science fictions uh, that we fear, because a lot of it, if you look at uh, The Day After Tomorrow. And, you know, that's, that's again, what I, I don't like about the entertainment world is it dumbs everything down because if you read, you know, I, I'm always a big science fiction buff, so like yeah. I told you, you know, I saw that Stormtroopers Troop- was uh, a, a futuristic world where Heinlein saw that there was going to be a very strong Latino culture running through the universality of it all, yeah. right? When you look at Blade Runner, yeah. And you know, the yeah. original the original novel, you know, they were speaking what? They were speaking Spanish, Russian, Chinese and it was like a mix and English and that was the pattern of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. The, of the Los Angeles of the future. So they already knew that we were going to we'll be a very together. universal global world, you yeah. know. But if you look at Nahuatl teachings, if you look at the Aztec teachings, when you look at the pyramid, There's uh, several levels of consciousness that a seeker of the Nahuatl knowledge that becomes a Tolteca at the top goes through. And it all starts with, first you think, you know, ego. Then you think tribal. Then you think family. Then you think, I'm sorry, I flipped it. Family is after the ego, family. Then you think tribal. Then you think nation, right? Then you think global. Then you think universal, all, all universal and you understand how vast the universe is and the fact that the you know we're worried about the colors of red and blue yeah it's ridiculous yeah. right it is right and yeah. left and we call them right and left and again that's our humanity going through this evolution so I think that the, you know I'd love to see the science fiction move beyond the banality of you know uber beings and superheroes and stuff like that yeah. and you know get away from all that good and evil crap and get back to a common thread, which is life affirming, you know? And I think that's the science fiction that I want to see. You know, there's a couple of novels that I tapped into back in the day that had to do with the indigenous spirituality Mm. and what the world would have been like if there hadn't been this conquest of the new world. And if that kind of, those kind of progressive human ways of thinking how that could have impacted this kind of new world this 21st century world so you know that's Mm. kind of where i'd love to see these new storytellers take science fiction you know
0: okay uh, because we're running probably a a little out of time uh, right okay so uh question ufos yes or no yes
2: yes absolutely i've seen them a lot of them a lot of ufos yeah especially when i lived on the west coast there's one particular story you asked me to think of one and we were on the beach, it was like two or three in the morning, the sky had just cleared, so the coastal clouds were just out of the way, so it was beautiful, all stars. And then we see a UFO over the ocean, you know, it's it's just an orange orb that's just sitting there. And you know, you think it's a you thought maybe it's a planet at first, but you're like, no, Jupiter's over here right now, so I know that's not you know, a planet, you know. And then you see it go boop, and then you see it go boop, 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 until so finally I'm staring at it the whole time. And like a laser, like like a pointer, a laser pointer. An orange laser went straight into my left eye. and I went, oh my God, I went like that, blinked. I couldn't see for three hours. Three hours out of my left eye was blind, completely from this orange light. <laughs> what, what, like, coast huh? what coast were you What coast were you I was in Oregon, the, the Pacific coast, yeah. Wow. Right there, it was wild. I mean, I've seen tons and tons and tons of UFOs, but that was probably my closest interaction with any kind of extraterrestrial. I mean, completely blind. <laughs> it was a trip, yeah.
0: Jesse, what about you? Kukuis or no kukuis?
1: Oh, yeah. I played el kukui once, so yeah. I know it's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do, you believe kukui in, kukui? Do you believe in ghosts?
1: Oh, yeah. The spirit world, I think. Well, you know, uh, being from an indigenous blood, you know, you understand that the spirit world is is there with you. But then growing up with welitas that were, you know, curanderas and, you know, and, and prayed a lot. The power of prayer was very prevalent, you know. La Señora de Tonantzin was Our Lady of Guadalupe. She was not just a Christian icon, but she was a goddess figure, and we understood Mother Earth, the connection to that, and the, and the spirituality of prayer and thought. Uh, now, personally, I, I haven't encountered too many, I think I'm a little too dense. And uh, <laughs> my imagination goes wild. So yeah. I think people with wild imaginations don't see too much. Well, I,
0: mean, yeah, and I, yeah, I get that because, you know, a lot of a lot of folks, uh, they they some them, they welcome them sometimes. And so when things are moving around in the house, it's just like eh, it's part of the house. We I have d-
2: one at my house right now.
0: Tell me about it. Yeah.
2: My um, my brothers and mother mothers, <laughs> we all live together and their stepfather passed away not too long before I had moved in. And the first night I was there and I'm in that room that he was in. The first night I'm there, I'm trying to sleep, and I hear the the closet, like, shaking. It's one of those old-school closets, like the foldy ones, right? I'm like, what the hell is that? I get up, and I'm like, stop it. And he goes, and then just stopped. (laughs) So now the ghost understands, like, I'm not going to put up with your crap. You're trying to keep me up at night, you know what I mean? We have an understanding, but, I mean, he's been real active lately, real active lately. I mean, my cat will just stand there in the middle of the room. And start like somebody's like dangling something over him. He'll just start playing with nobody. I don't believe.
1: I always try and honor every old spot that I show up in. Oh you yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah, I, I just assume <laughs> that it's haunted because <laughs> You know, it's the, their spirits are there. And
0: well, if you're in San Antonio, there's nowhere you can oh, go. Yeah. That is we haunted. Went, out yeah. yeah, you, we you, went out to the ghost you, tracks. Yeah, we went out to the ghost tracks. If you go to the south side of town, you go to the east side of town, you go to the west side of town, you might find some really haunted spots on the north side, but San Antonio is oh, definitely. Oh, east side for sure. I used yeah.
2: to live on Hackberry in Montana. I used to live right the re- there too. Yeah, in yes, yes. a really, really old house. And I my cat I, would play with an imaginary I think I dated
1: the donkey lady.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was nice.
3: I actually, I nice. actually
0: met a guy who's seen the donkey lady and has a uh, love hate relationship. It's a podcast I'm about to release, but this dude, he he goes out to go look for her and he wears a full suit because he's been attacked. <laughs> he's been attacked and he talks about it. Whoa, I'll uh, sorry that. for another time. Anyway, y'all i want to thank you guys once again for sitting with me it got deeper than i expected and i'm super excited oh, I, that it did you. no no I, I, love it it. Did. Yeah. I love that it did i love that it did and i'm looking forward to we watching don't get to luminous. talk about it too luminous. much so it's nice luminous i'm looking forward to it uh y'all uh, i think we're gonna have a little bit of moment afterwards for some questions maybe uh, or, or maybe a few um but we want to throw the films on before we ask any more questions um any final statements
2: Thank you. For <laughs> I appreciate sure. Thank for you guys coming for coming out here, out and, here. and starting the this dialogue because it, we never—it's something you really don't get to talk about, especially in the realm of science fiction and, and just in general. So it's nice to converse and actually have a real conversation about it. Dialogue, you know.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys being here, and I'm telling you guys, it's a huge honor for me to sit here with you guys, to to be able to throw it on the stream, which, you know, uh, if you guys were able to see any of the stream, there was probably a good 15 minutes of it, and the rest of it, who knows, but I recorded the voice, (laughs) I recorded the voice, uh, so I'm hoping to drop this podcast. If you, guys <laughs> if you guys have uh, 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 the ability to look and listen to podcasts, it's called the Next versus Aliens podcast. I'm always open to stories. If you've had any experiences, paranormal, UFO, or that kind of stuff, or even if you live with demons or you know or your abuelas of crazy corandera and you have stories, <laughs> let's sit down and talk about it. I'm going to record it, and we can, have, uh, we can share some stories because I have very similar stories. I want to thank you guys for being here. I see a lot of folks in the crowd that I've had wonderful conversations with, and you guys are wonderful and beautiful Thank you, guys. A round of applause for our people here. Thank you very this much. <laughs> right you. Check bizarre. out
1: Luminous. Did he say if there was a uh, a link to the film for other it's people? It's
2: luminousmovie.com.
1: Luminousmovie.com.
2: Luminousmovie.com. Yes. You can check it out. And there's also some pretty cool, like, and, uh, poster stuff. And your music and is on? My music is under Fiona Zed. F-I-O-N-A-Z-E-D. A I'm working on my third album right now called yes. Gemini. Yes. So <laughs>
1: and hopefully if Fan gets his uh his stuff together we'll be doing a yeah long,
2: we'll finish the long movie. version
1: of luminous mm-hmm.
0: yes that's
2: in the works We're, that's the plan anyway
0: yes thank you guys so next up we have a selection of short films curated by montevideo um mm-hmm. manuel solis founder and programmer manuel solis uh, these include hyper realities by kichi matsura in search of aliens by suzanne A. Paricio, Joshua by Matthew Castellanos, Luminous by San Antonio filmmaker Stan Niles, and Nuevo Rico by Christian Mercado. So, to close out this episode in honor of the late great Jesse Borrego Sr., we have Conjunto Borrego performing live for the 2017 Tejano Conjunto Festival here in San Antonio.
3: song for you that we've been recording with
1: Joe Trevino over at Blue Cat Records. Hope to have something out for you soon.